<laughs> we are here, and Johnny is wanting to get us creamers for our coffees. So welcome, everyone. It's Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital, and we are here tonight, Medically Speaking. And we are Medically Speaking tonight with Dr. Brittany Hell. Hi, Dr. Hall. Hello. Thank, thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for coming in and doing that traffic my game. pleasure. I oh. apologize for being late again. Well, you and I have been trying to plan this for a while. Yes. So we finally got it done. <laughs> but next time we get it done, I think we would do it like on the Friday morning show or something. Sure. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it then. But um, Dr. Howell happens to be a vascular surgeon, which is a very intense field. And when you think of vascular surgery, there's a couple of things you think about. Number one, what is vascular surgery? Number two, why on earth would a woman want to be a vascular surgeon, which sure. is really interesting. So first, I want to know a little bit more about you. Now, I know you're a vascular surgeon with Vascular Experts, yes. which is an entire team That's of vascular right. surgeons. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But what's your journey? What, what brought you to, to become a doctor and to this area and okay. all that? So I grew up in Connecticut. I grew up on the shoreline in Waterford, Connecticut. Oh, gorgeous um, area. Which is gorgeous. So I've gone around a little bit around the East Coast, but I'm essentially back home. Um, I grew up to a mom who was an English teacher in middle school and a dad who was an electrical engineer um, at hmm. Millstone, one of the nuclear power plants yeah. in the state. So um, I always knew that I wanted to be a doctor just because I was typically pretty nerdy <laughs> growing up. And Are you? Do you have brothers and sisters? I have one younger brother. One younger brother. Yep, okay. He's five years younger than I am and he lives in St. Louis. So I always liked science and but I wanted to figure out a way to use science and spend time with people not necessarily at a lab bench. Yeah, right. So I decided to be a doctor. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, it's a, it, for a woman, it's a really tough field to get into but surgery even more so sure you know because it's a it's always been a male dominated field you it's know true. even when even when I was in nursing school and I came out onto the floors it was always a male dominated field and as I saw more women into it as a nurse I was just so encouraged for for younger women seeing you as role models because it's just oh, incredible that's so nice it's incredible I think we're doing better. I think certainly most physicians historically have been male, mm -hmm. but we're doing better with that. And now medical schools are 50% female. So that means the new workforce of doctors is 50% female. Look at that. We're still definitely lagging in surgery. Mm. We're probably, in general surgery, we're about a third of the workforce. Um, and in vascular surgery, a little bit less than that. But we are we are doing better, so it's good news. It's interesting because vascular surgery is a unique specialty. So you know when you did, where did you do your training? I did my general surgery at NYU, wow, in Manhattan, and I did vascular surgery at Georgetown in DC. You are very well schooled. Oh, thank you. We are incredibly <laughs> privileged to have this talent in our area. You know, it was important.
important to me. I had, you know, written, had talked to you before about about you coming on the radio. I think it's so important for people in our area to know the type of physicians that we have right here in our community. Sure. And, you know, with that education, that's just incredible to have that Thank talent you. and keep that talent here. Because after going to school in, in New York and Georgetown, I'm sure you had opportunities to practice elsewhere than Little Wadbury, Connecticut, right? Sure, there were there were temptations to be in more metropolitan areas, and New York City and Washington D.C. are are beautiful areas. Um, but I was very much interested in coming back home, um, and I really do want to be a community doctor, which is what I am now. So I'm happy to be here. So awesome. So (laughs) let's talk what interested you in vascular surgery of all things. So when you were in medical school, what brought you there? So vascular surgery is a little bit difficult to define. Mm. Um, But what I really like about it is that you get a real chance to doctor. Mm. Oftentimes surgery is or being a surgeon, sometimes we build sort of short-term relationships with our patients, but that's not the case with vascular mm-hmm. surgery. We're almost like the primary care physicians of surgery. Oh, that's an interesting take. I like that. <laughs> I like that. So my relationships with my patients never end. I see patients at least once a year. Uh, so I know about their families. They know about mine. And it really is a long-term relationship. Um, mm. Aside from the relationship with patients, I think the physiology um, and the surgery itself is pretty cool. Um, So I think that's what initially attracted me into it, but it's the relationships that really keep my interest. Yeah, it's it's really neat. I think that's why a lot of women went into nursing way back when, you know, when when I was in school. You either became a teacher, you became a nurse, and those of us that liked to care for all types of people um, and loved the idea of science and medicine went down that road and for me it's just one of those nurturing things that along with the love of science but the love of taking care of others and then the nurturing effect being a woman I think those mix make great nurses and doctors. I absolutely agree and I think that's perhaps one of the pros of having a, a female physician. Right. It's a little stereotypical, but I think it's yeah, okay. I, I think it's care. true. Yeah. yeah you know, I, I think that we all have our right and there's so many more sensitive men out there, so I get it. But this is girls' night tonight and you're wearing pink for breast cancer yes. awareness month. So you know, we're gonna go with it for now. So no, let's talk what's vascular surgery? Because I think there's some confusion. there's so many specialists now. Yes. You know, when I was I always date myself, but it's so true. When I was back in uh, on the floors, there were surgeons. Yes. And a surgeon was a surgeon was a surgeon, you know, other than maybe podiatry and some of the other smaller specialties. Really, surgery did vascular, did breast, did everything. And now it's ventured off. But vascular surgery is kind of a newer specialty, although sure. an older specialty at the same time, probably yes. just more recognized, right? Absolutely. You're 100% right. Most surgeons were general surgeons, and that meant that they mm. operated from stem to stern. Right. And we became more specialized over time. So, 
A vascular surgeon, I think simply put, is a blood vessel doctor mm. and surgeon. Right. Um, so we are the experts of, of blood vessels, which are veins and arteries. Mm. So mm. we really work from head to toe, mm. um, with the exception of the heart and the brain, mm. uh, working with the arteries and veins. And so those issues can be very serious or they can be very simple. It's it's something that sometimes you do too in conjunction with other physicians, correct? Your types of sure. procedures, right? Sure. Well, there's firstly, I'll say there's definitely overlap mm -hmm. um, because of the subspecialties now. There is definitely overlap, whereas what I do, certainly some radiologists can do, some cardiologists can do, some heart surgeons can do. Um, Vascular surgeons are the only ones whose entire training is about blood vessels. Um, but a lot of our work can be in conjunction with others, absolutely, with heart doctors, with right. plastic surgeons, with general surgeons, with podiatrists. Um, Which we know that happens a lot now, absolutely, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So I think it's really comprehensive, but there are lots of opportunities to be collegial and work with others. So what is your typical patient? So a very typical vascular surgery patient is uh, a middle-aged man mm. uh, who has probably smoked in the past, mm. doesn't necessarily smoke now, um, who has leg pain. Mm. That's our most typical complaint that mm. someone will come in with in the office. Yeah, is leg pain. And yes. then what do you generally do? What's the, what's the process? So we have to start by getting to know them, definitely learning a little bit about them and examining them. Um, and for me, an examination, is, the most important part of my examination is feeling pulses. Mm. So I often feel for pulses in places that patients didn't know they had pulses. Right. Um, and if they're absent, then that lets us know that somewhere along the line, we're building up a plaque, which is blocking the flow of yeah. blood. Mm. And then... The typical person that will come to see you say is a middle-aged man with the with the leg pain. Are there other um, health indications other than smoking that you usually see along someone similar with vascular insufficiency in the leg? Sure. So cigarette smoking is absolutely number one. Yeah. So I can't say that enough. Right. Oh. But definitely high cholesterol. Mm. Oh. Um, definitely diabetes. Mm. We have a huge diabetic population. We do. It's incredible. We do. So those are the top three, I would say, but also high blood pressure can come into play. So when um, you do the full exam on the patient, what does that involve? So again, it involves feeling for their pulses. So pulses in the neck, that's mm -hmm. the carotid artery. Um, pulses in the belly, and that's the aorta. Sometimes we can hear the pulses to the organs inside of our belly, like the kidneys or the intestine. Um, pulses at the groin, so really by the hips, mm. and then all the way down the leg into the foot. 
Mm. Um, but our exam often goes hand in hand with an ultrasound, like pregnant women get so often. Right. Um, and that's a painless, simple exam, which takes nice pictures of the blood vessels to really let us know what's happening inside. So when you're looking at the ultrasound, you're looking at the flow. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the and, the, and now in the newer ultrasounds, they have Doppler, which shows you the color, right? Yeah. So these days, the ultrasounds that we use have two modes. Mm. So they take a nice picture, but that picture is usually black and white, and that literally shows you what the artery looks like. So you can look at it as if you were cutting it right in half and looking down the artery like it was a tunnel, Mm. Um, or you can look at it as if you're looking at it from the side. But that's just a picture of it. So you can see the wall of it. You can't really at that point see the blood flowing, but you can see what may be building up inside of it. And that's that nasty plaque that I was talking about before. But if you turn on the Doppler, then that shows how quickly the blood is moving. And we often add color to it to give us a little bit more information. But then it's a little bit of physics. Again, that's sort of like our nerdy side that comes out. So. If the blood is flowing more quickly, then that lets us know that the area of the blood vessel might be smaller, and that's what you don't want. The blood should be flowing easily, more Freely slowly. Freely down, right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in areas, if it's flowing more quickly, then that lets us know that something is impeding that blood flow. It's causing friction there, um, and that's often what the problem is. So I threw out the term venous insufficiency. Is that what you would categorize as that? So it's not working properly. It's not working properly. So. Um, it's arteries and veins. So mm-hmm. that middle-aged smoking male that I talked about, he typically has disease in his arteries. Mm-hmm. And so that means not enough blood, which carries oxygen, is getting to organs and tissues. So that's insufficiency, so not enough arterial flow, right. blood in the arteries. Um, but we can also have similar issues in the veins. Right. Um, and that patient looks a little bit different, to be honest. What is the typical look for that? So a typical look for a patient who has an issue in their veins um, is often younger, so perhaps 30s, 40s, um, female, um, typically has been pregnant at least once, um, typically has done a lot of work on her feet. So Like either. nurses. Like nurses, exactly. Just saying. <laughs> Like nurses, absolutely. Like hairstylists. Right. Like moms yeah. and wives. People um, working in, in stores like like Walmarts and, and, and you know, the chain stores. Absolutely. Standing at a cash register. register. Um, right. Standing behind a chair and cutting hair. Mm-hmm. Um, standing at a sink and washing dishes. Right. Standing at a chalkboard and teaching mm-hmm. our students. Um, so then the issue is a little bit different that because of all that standing, that there's blood just sitting in the leg for long periods of time. Where they get the swelling and the pain. That's right. And Mm. so then we get the swelling exactly and the pain. Um, And then we get varicose veins, Mm. um, which may or may not be visible. It's the look of the leg is the least of our concerns. It's more of those complaints of pain and swelling and tightness and burning and heaviness and cramping, right. sometimes itching. Yeah. Um, and in that patient, it's again, mostly pain, but the worst case scenario there is that the skin actually breaks down. Oh. So 
one out of five of those patients will actually get an ulcer, a break in the skin. Mm-hmm. And which is really concerning. It you is. Know, that's, I mean, and then can do more of those patients tend to be a diabetic patient or, or does it matter? In, no, with the venous, venous issues, no. No, okay. Of course, diabetes complicates any issue that we have, but patients with venous problems don't tend to be relatively healthy otherwise, honestly. Yeah. So they're usually a little bit caught off guard. Why is this happening to right. me? Because right. I'm a healthy person. So when you see the, so let's go to the woman, because it's October. <laughs> it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So. And right. there's so many women out there with the venous insufficiency and the pain in their leg and the heaviness. And there's so many ads out there and articles out there about different things that you can do. How do you normally treat a woman that comes into your office like that? What are, what are the, some of the things you do? Sure. So we like to be conservative. We right. like to do as little as possible. That will be helpful. So again, of course, we just have to start by getting to know them, getting to know what their life is like, what their demands on their time are, um, and examining them and making sure that we don't have anything that's truly concerning. Because mm-hmm. typically, again, this issue of the veins is troubling, uncomfortable, but not dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I really like to allay those fears right off the bat um, that most often this is not a dangerous problem again uh, unless a wound has actually developed Um, so the simplest thing to do for those patients is to offer them a compression sock Mm. which I know (laughs) and we hear compression socks we think the worst (laughs) they're not they're not that I mean I'm very fortunate I haven't had to put my husband recently um, I had to put him on him. He's ready to kill me. But um, there's some out there now that aren't as bad. Absolutely. And they're, Absolutely. And they're actually feel good. If you have an issue with your veins, again, and your leg is quite literally just full of blood, mm. just sitting there, that's mm. uncomfortable. And so the compression sock will actually help move that blood along. Right. So... After you get used to wearing that compression sock, and it does take some getting used to, the leg absolutely feels more comfortable because it's really improving your circulation. And there are some that are fun now. I know, again, if you've seen a compression sock before, you think of that typical nude, thick, opaque (laughs) stocking um, that you wouldn't want to wear. But... Often they come in cotton, mm-hmm. they can be leggings, they can right. be pantyhose, they can be knee highs. They're much different. They're much different. They can be, they're breathable and they can be in fun colors right. or patterns if you want. Um, but most importantly, it's getting access to them and understanding that that's the simplest thing that you can do to, to really start, feel to better. Start, right, to feel better. Right. So do you recommend they wear them all day? Every day, yes. Ideally, you would wear them every day. I mean, because in the summertime, it's hot. Yes, you know that seems to be the hardest time, right? Absolutely, and and that's when sort of understanding what their real life is about, right, comes in because it's not practical Mm -hmm. all the time to wear a compression sock. It's not practical in our ninety degree exactly. (laughs) My husband said that to me. Says you have to go to the beach. Is that wearing shorts all summer? The absolutely, and you're chasing after your toddlers in Mm. the surf, and it's ninety degrees, muggy, and it's sandy, and yeah, it's not practical definitely um but on the the days that you can is what i tell them as much as you can absolutely we have to be reasonable with our expectations so when you can understand that as much as you wear them 
you will feel better. They're not a cure. Right. So if you don't wear them, you don't feel better. Right. And elevation, too, right? That's right. And that's the other thing. So when you finally get to sit down, Mm. which is not often until the day is just about done, just putting your leg up even a little bit, even just on the couch next to you, um, even just putting a pillow on the floor. You know, we often tell patients that you're head has to, your, excuse me, your foot has to be above your heart. Right. And that's not always practical either. Oh my gosh. I know we just, and I, my poor, I keep using my husband. We just did this with him over in the summer because he, as we know, we've talked about it many times. Poor guy ended up with cellulitis from a ingrown toenail. Poor guy ready to, oh my God, he's ready to, but Dr. Sims was so funny. He's our infectious disease guru yes. at St. Mary's. Dr. Sims says, I want his leg above his head. Now, my husband's 6'3", so, <laughs> you know, we had pillows, and I mean, that leg was... And of course, he's a ballerina, oh, right? And yeah. so his leg was above oh, his head. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, we... And of course, it was his good side, the non-stroke side, the poor guy. So we... It worked, but it really did work. Sure. I mean, it truly worked, and, you know, and the compression stockings work. So, I mean, if that is your option of choice, and it... And it it really does work. It does I mean, work. And again, it's, this, like it. it's the simplest thing to do. It is. it is something that you have to take on, something that you have to adjust to, but right. it is non-invasive. Right. Um, there are other options that are more permanent, right. more effective, and that we can truly consider a cure, but they're procedures, but and they're that's procedures. not for everyone. Right. And I, w- I definitely want to get into that. I, I was just going to say, for anyone that, if that doesn't work, for them, then what's our next option? But what I'd like to do is take a, our quick break now because we did fly in here again really quickly. I want to give you a chance to breathe for a minute. Sure. We're going to come right back. We were talking with Dr. Brittany Hall, who is a vascular surgeon with the Vascular Experts, and they are everywhere. I'll give you their locations in just a minute. And um, we are definitely taking call ins because we are live 203 757 1320. We'll be right back. Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital. Welcome back to Medically Speaking. And we're medically speaking tonight with a female vascular surgeon, Dr. Brittany Hall. (laughs) Hi, Doc. We took a little extended break. I'm sorry, everyone out there. We just needed a little bit of a chill just so that we could just so that we could uh you know get ourselves in the saddle yes, here thank so you dr hall is a vascular surgeon with vascular experts um in middlebury and i know new places fearfield Stra- <laughs> you're all over the place we right? are we have 10 offices now um and we how do you cover t- are you do you function i do not them? personally thank god i do not personally cover all 10 no i am in two offices, so one in Southbury and one in Danbury, but we do have 10 locations across the state, so we're on the shoreline in New London, um, and then we're as far as Greenwich, Manchester, Um, so we've grown quite a bit, and we are now the biggest group of vascular surgeons in the United States. And I invite everybody to go on the website. It is thevascularexperts.com, and you will be able to see, if you click on our providers, the list of providers that come up, there's so, so so many of them there of you and you, you are spread out but the great piece about that I think is the ability to share best practice absolutely and to learn from each other and to be in so many different institutions we do have a caller so I'm going to have Beautiful. you put your headphones on and I'm not I don't have my normal headphones oh. 
That's okay, Johnny. Hi, you have a you have a question? I oh, actually, I just wanted to uh, call you. I was just going through the radio today, and I found you guys there. I am a patient from uh, St. Mary's Hospital Wounds Open Wound Center. Amazing. Oh, we were going to start talking about doctor the wound was, center. My doctor was one of the most wonderful people, Miriam Cohen. Oh, Dr. Cohen, yes. Yes, Dr. Cohen. I want to send a shout out to uh, <laughs> up there, Sandy, Sally. They've all taken care of me. Oh, I thank you. I have on my leg, and I am diabetic, too. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, like you say, the socks help. Absolutely. And they have really treated me great down there. So, um... That is you know, so I'm nice. That, I'm, I'm that mid uh, mid-age male, you know, that smokes them. Like uh, the doctor said. Good for you. <laughs> so, but my, my wound had to come from a... Uh, Bravo Cruz uh, spider bite, mm. and they treated me a number of times there. And they've everyone's been so good down there. Oh, I'm and, so glad uh, to hear that. Good for you. Yeah, I'm glad I that did. you're not there any longer. That means that you're doing better. Right. Well, I had a I had an episode. It first started years ago in 2006. I was treated at Waterbury Hospital, and then things they said it could come back, and then they sent me to uh, St. Mary's and. Probably 2010, and they said it could come back, and I had some more stuff just last year. Okay. And Dr. Cohen is taking very good care of me. It's one of those things. Hey, if it happens, what can you do? But uh, I just want to say to everybody at St. Mary's Hospital, they've treated me well. Oh, thank you. With, thank you so much. That's that's our goal is to make sure that we're there for our patients right here in the community. So I'm so glad that you've had a good experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for reaching out. And we're going to talk a little more about the Wound Center um, in a little bit. So thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, if you can, uh, you know, let Marion Cohen say one of her ex-patients. I was very happy with her. I will tell her. Absolutely, my friend. Good if luck you, to you. Tell her, um, you know what? You can just say... He's the guy that brings the candy and the flowers. She'll remember. She'll remember. Mr. Clark, you can write that down. All right. Thank you. I'm going to let her know. Thank you. I've got it. I'm going to listen to you guys some more, and uh, any other information I can get is great. And you know what? Those socks really work good. (laughs) Good. It's good good to hear from someone who's actually worn them. Tell your husband to wear the stockings. (laughs) I'm going to tell him, good, he better be listening. (laughs) You help out. If he's not listening, you you just tell him to listen to this program again because they do help. Thank you, my friend. It's great to hear from you, Mr. Clark. I thank you for all the information, and I'm glad you got a new young doctor in there. You know what? Female doctors are very good. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. We don't have to worry about it, whether you're male or female. Doctors who know what they're doing are Great. Yes, and, uh, we're very lucky. Okay. Thank you for uh, your call. You both, you both have a most wonderful night. You okay. too, too. Thank I you. Just wanted to say my appreciation for you people who helped me out. Thank you. We appreciate you, my friend. Have a good night. You too. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. <laughs>
That's so great. You have a we have a cheering audience Absolutely. out there, right? That was so, so sweet. So we are. We're going to talk a little bit more about the wound center. But before we went to the break, we were talking about the venous insufficiency and the stockings yes. and the elevation. But there are times when that doesn't work. Yes. So when do you know that you need to intervene and do some of, you know, some of the more minimally invasive, I'm going to call sure. it, procedures? Sure. Well, I think there are... are s- a few different instances and I think again it goes back to knowing your patient because our goal is for our patients to get better Mm. and if it's not practical to wear the compression socks as they're really meant to be worn then we do have other ways to improve our patient's health and so the most effective way is to actually have a procedure and it is minimally invasive so what I really mean when I say that is that we can take care of this issue um, with a small hole like when an IV is placed. Right. Um, it doesn't require any cutting. It doesn't require any true surgery. Um, it doesn't even necessarily require a trip to the hospital. We can do it in an office setting mm-hmm. um, without any anesthesia even. Um, so they're very effective, but at the same time, they're not for everyone. So it's just getting to know your patient well, I think, and then being able to advise them appropriately. When you do uh, the procedure, um, what does it entail? So it takes about 15 minutes. Oh, that's not bad. It, it, so it's not bad. So and Just again, one, one time? So it depends on how many veins okay. need to be treated. Okay. So on average, someone may have up to three veins per leg. So it's really one vein per procedure. Right. So it could be up to six different procedures mm. at 15 minutes mm. each. Um, so the vein is typically... Um, found in the calf, so in the meatiest part of your leg. And we numb up that skin and we do place an IV right into the vein. And then we numb up all the tissue around the vein. Um, And that requires a few more needle sticks. Um, And to be honest, that's the most unpleasant part. Just feeling those needle sticks, right? right? That's right. So we we talk through it and everyone gets through it just fine. But after that, there's a little strip of your leg that's numb. Okay. And then what we do is put a little catheter inside the vein and we heat it up to about 200 degrees, but you can't feel it because you're all numb. And that scars the vein down and closes it. So it forces the blood to basically take a detour. We, we take a vein that's not working very well and we shut it down okay. and then the blood goes through other veins that do work well. So you're able to tell that ahead of time through the ultrasound that Absolutely. there's other tracks that this could take. Yes. So why does the vein, why does the blood take the path it takes down when, when it could go other ways if right. it's blocked? So especially when we're resting, mm-hmm. our body prefers to use the veins that are close to the skin. So those are the veins that we can treat. Um, The veins that are deeper are typically really used when we're active, when we're walking, when we're running especially. Um, But when we're sitting, when we're trying to go to sleep, it's those 
veins that are close to the skin again that really take over, which is, again, while patients really feel those symptoms oftentimes at night. So they're finally right. resting, right. and then their legs get restless, and right. they feel like they're biting and cramping and itching. And it's because, again, those are the veins that aren't working, but your body really needs them at that point. So if we take them out of the equation, and we allow those deep veins that are healthy to really kick in, then patients feel better. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. realize that. I didn't realize <laughs> that that's what it was doing. Now, why is sometimes one leg more affected than another leg? You know, like, so if you're, if you've been pregnant and you're, so you're, I, I think you're distributing your weight equally, but sure. you're not sure that you're doing so. But why is it that one leg is sometimes more affected more than another? <clears throat> so that brings in some other issues. I will say most often we are relatively symmetric. Mm -hmm. But as you said, absolutely, sometimes it's one side more than another. Mm. And then it tends to be the left side. Yeah, And then that's because of what can often happen up in our pelvis, so above our hips sort of between our belly button and our hip bones. And there, again, those big veins, those deep veins that are underneath the muscle, they go into our pelvis. Okay. And sometimes an artery, which is stronger and thicker, is pressing on those veins. So it's the vein's job to drain the leg, to take the blood from the foot back to the heart, but if there is a big, thick artery pressing on it, it's like running into a dam. Oh. So then, again, that happens most often on the left side. Then that blood is backing up all the way back down the leg, down to the foot. And then that leg tends to be more swollen. Hmm. Can you have varicose veins that, but you don't really have symptoms? So you don't have the swelling. You just have that unsightly look. Sure. So even if you're going to wear stockings and even if you're going to elevate the leg, you don't have swelling in the feet. Right. You don't have the pain in the legs, but you have these ugly, you know, so many sure. women, it's more cosmetic in a look. Sure. But, but they aren't causing symptoms. Is there, can you have that? And will over time it turn into symptoms? So I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff no, at you. <laughs> So, yes, it's a spectrum, we right. like to say. So it's like the rainbow. You can really have it any way you like it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so you can absolutely have varicose veins and have zero symptoms mm. other than noticing them. Right. Um, on the converse, you can absolutely have pain and swelling and see no visible mm. veins. Um, so it's really... Again, listening to the patient, listening to what they're telling you, and examining them and putting it all together. But, and that's certainly not to say that one is more important than the other. It's just right. as important for that patient who doesn't like the way his or her leg looks. Right. Um, and there are still ways that we can You see all those commercials them. now. You see, you know, you see all those things. But I, I always tell patients, look more towards taking care of the problem. Sure versus the look sure yes it's it's so important for health but if you do have your vein done is there any long-term side effectors or any negatives to having it any cons to that there isn't mm -hmm. luckily yeah. so even though our body really wants to use that vein that's close to the skin we can absolutely do without it hmm. um, and it's better actually if the vein's not working 
it's better to shut it down and give your body a chance to use its energy more effectively. Um, so those veins that sort of go bad right. and turn into varicose veins, when they're good, they can be used for bypasses. So leg bypasses, heart bypasses. And if you know a patient who's had those, you they can tell you that they don't miss that vein right. one bit. Um, but again, especially in the patient whose vein isn't working well, it's more to their benefit to close the vein. Um, couple other things that just popped into my head. So years ago, they used to have the vein stripping. Yes. So this would be in lieu of something along those lines, correct? Absolutely. That's right. That was a big procedure. It and was. women had them all the time. My mother-in-law, I believe my mother-in-law had that done. She had eight children. So, Ooh, so yeah. probably. Yeah. I, <laughs> so she probably did. She's a small thing. But, you know, that's what they used to do. And that was that's a big right. procedure. It was a tough procedure. And now that that procedure is historical, mm -hmm. um, I can say that that was a pretty barbaric procedure. Um, it was a true operation. It really required general anesthesia going to sleep. Right. And it left huge scars. bruises mm -hmm. and scars in the leg. But it was at the time the best that we had. Um, so we literally removed the vein that wasn't working right. then. Right. But now we don't remove it, we just close it. So right. it's less traumatic mm -hmm. to the patient, but the idea is still the same. And what we have now with technology, it we know that it's more effective than stripping was. Right. Um, because when, again, we would essentially rip, I hope it's not too graphic, essentially rip the vein out in a yeah. stripping. But you might imagine that pieces of it would stay behind right. and then little bits would grow back, actually. Yeah. Um, and then we would still be left with this, the same problem. The same problem. Mm -hmm. So another question I, that came into my mind was, if you don't treat them yes. and you use the stockings intermittently, you're not as good about it, you elevate the leg, what are some of the medical risks that come with that pooling? Do they run a risk of deep vein thrombosis or things such as that? So mostly, again, it's not a dangerous problem. Okay. So... The veins that are typically the issue are the superficial ones. They're close to the skin, so they're not necessarily related to the deep ones. Okay. When something goes wrong with our deep veins, we get a little bit more excited about mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. because, as you said, that's a deep vein thrombosis. Right. Oftentimes, that's a clot that mm -hmm. we say, and that clot can break apart and then move. Right. And that's a truly dangerous problem. That can be a life-threatening right. problem. Cause a stroke. Correct. Um, and so I want to absolutely differentiate that right. problem from the varicose I think there, and, and I threw that out there because I think there is confusion <laughs> sure. in the general population. You know, when they see that, you know, their legs are swelling and, you know, I mean, but you have to really be concerned. So the reason why I wanted to talk about the deep vein thrombosis, it's so different in relationship to what you're seeing when you get general swelling at the end of right. the day, because that's an emergent procedure. Can we yes. give out like what you should look for and something like that? Absolutely. So in general, I'll say if you have a concern and if something doesn't look quite right or feel quite right, go seek help, see your yeah. doctor. So we're more concerned about a leg when there's 
a quick change, not something that's slowly developed over time or slowly worsened, something that was okay one moment or one day and then wasn't Mm -hmm. the very next moment or the very next day. Um, And so that'll be a quick change in swelling that your leg has changed size, um, that pain has come on again very quickly Mm -hmm. and that pain will most likely be in your calf but it Mm -hmm. can extend Um, that it would be difficult then to walk sometimes that if you even took a step that you would have pain in your leg again possibly in your calf and that's just from even moving your ankle up and down wow and then it's associated with things especially long car rides, Mm. so essentially not moving for long periods of time. So if you've had a recent illness, even if it was a virus that put you out for a bit, or if you had surgery and you have been in a hospital bed or in your own bed for more than usual, or if you went for a long car ride that Mm. you're not accustomed to doing, or you were on a long flight. So it's a. That's why you should wear the stockings. That's why you should wear the stockings. (laughs) It's true. But it's, again, a a quick change in how you're feeling and how your leg looks, probably associated with a change in your habits. Mm. And that's something that is dangerous. No, thank you. I wanted wanted to be sure that we threw that out there and differentiated because I think that that is, there's confusion with that and it's important to differentiate. So. Yeah, I look at the time, I'm like, my goodness, we almost have 10 minutes left. So I want to, I don't want to um, not talk about the wound center at St. Mary's and your role at the wound center and some of the patients that you see there. So you're one of sure. our physicians yes. that comes to the wound center. You're there every Friday. I am there every Friday afternoon. Absolutely. So what do you typically, what's the typical patient that you see at the wound center? So... My patients have leg wounds um, just because, again, of what my expertise is and what I can lend to them in getting them healthier. So oftentimes patients and perhaps our friend, Mr. Clark, who called earlier, have an issue with their blood supply. So either the arteries are not feeding the leg as much oxygen as they as it needs, or the veins are not draining the leg as well as it should. And we can often get wounds associated with that. And there are procedures and tips and techniques that can go along with those patients and those issues to really help the wound healing. And if not, if patients don't get those things, oftentimes the wound healing is really delayed. So it's important for us to recognize them. And I'd like to think that I've been helpful in in, in recognizing them and getting patients to heal more quickly. Because typically, you know, patients can go an extended period of time and not get the proper treatment yes and not get the proper intervention yes and they can lose a limb absolutely so you had come to me a while ago to talk about really trying to enforce really bringing ourselves up to a very high level of care within our team at the wound center and and within the hospital and really doing limb preservation at every cost to ensure that we have healthy limbs and that they're identified before they leave the hospital. Right. So let's talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. And and some of the great strides and things that you brought to the team at St. Mary's and the wound center itself and you're bringing in a a podiatrist that's been incredibly helpful to you in that program, Dr. D'Onofrio. 
so yes, the, these issues in limbs and, and keeping limbs healthy is really what I'm most passionate about. And what we know and what I learned in my training is that it really does take a team of people. Mm. And wound centers are amazing. They're all across the country and they're associated with different hospitals and different groups. But oftentimes the care there is very disjointed. Mm. And as I said, I'm at the wound center at St. Mary's on Friday afternoons, but that wound center looks very different on Tuesday morning. Right. And I think what our goal at St. Mary's is, is to really make sure that the care is more comprehensive, is mm -hmm. more cohesive, that a patient can count on the kind of care that they're getting no matter what day of the week it is. Right, doesn't matter who they see. Right, exactly. Right. Um, and that we really call on each other, that I know blood vessels very well, but that I don't know viruses and bacteria very right. well, that I have right. a colleague who knows that best, right. and that I can call on him or her for their expertise. And similarly, that I don't know the foot as well. Right. I can't name all the bones in the foot, right. but that I have a colleague, Dr. D'Onofrio, who knows the foot better than anyone. Right. Um, and so it's really calling on the best of the best. and working together um so we have a team so it's an incredible team because i know led by i always have to give dr peter jacoby a shout out yes he's our chief over there with that wound center That's so right. you know dr jacoby who is specialty has always been emergency medicine but mm -hmm. has seen everything under the sun and yourself as a vascular surgeon dr donofrio as a um podiatrist and i know dr palesti is part of that team yes we have so many doctors the reef is part of that team i don't want to leave anybody out and dr yes. Cohen, as we mentioned but having different physicians with different expertise, you know, general surgeons, vascular surgeons, podiatry, a multidisciplinary approach where everybody yes. talks to each other. And and I think bringing your expertise there has been amazing. And, Thank you. and having that full spectrum of care and the nurses. The nurses are the heart and soul of the wound care center. I, <laughs> I just love them. They're amazing. I and love they truly them. are. I, I, I couldn't be more sincere about that. Oftentimes patients come to my office with wounds and they want to be cared for in the office because honestly the idea of a clinic seems a little bit negative right. to them sometimes. They associate it with a weight and inconvenience. But it's not, it's a party but down there. But it's not. It's a big party down there. And <laughs> I always tell them the number one reason that they should go. I'm in my office and I'm in the wound care center, but they need to go and let the nurses help them. Right. And it's absolutely true. It is mm -hmm. so funny because they, they, my mom's gone a couple times. My mother loves the girls there. She's like, maybe I should go to the wound center. <laughs> maybe I should go. I said, yeah, maybe you need to go have a check. She's constantly whacking that leg in the car door I and I miss her <laughs> she's making me crazy but, <laughs> but no it's it's a wonderful team it's a very They're dedicated incredible. team um, who has really found their niche in yeah, the hospital definitely. and it's a specialty too for the nurses they all had to be certified yes and, and they're you know they had to be certified within they had to go away for a special training yes. just to be certified for the wound center so it's yes. really a highly functioning team absolutely you know, it is. And it's, again it's a very dedicated team. Well, thank you. I'm I'm happy to be there. And as you might imagine, someone who has a wound develop on their leg is in a very difficult place, mm -hmm. um, emotionally and physically. Absolutely. And so it's our job to get them on the road to recovery as quickly as possible. So. Absolutely. Well, I can't thank you enough thank 
for being here tonight. We have two. Johnny's showing me. We have two minutes left. <laughs> so I want to make sure everybody knows how to get a hold of you. So please um, visit their website, thevascularexperts.com. That's right. And you can go under providers, pull up their um, information. Um, I believe I can give you their phone number because I just talked to your office about 100 times today. I, I know. I, I work with your girls all the time. So the number there is 203-262-9979. Look right. at that. And if you're listening outside of our Waterbury area, you can dial an 800 number. Okay. And it's 844 the number four vascular <laughs> that's not hard 844 the number four that's vascular right. yes that's easy or or 203-262-9979 so thank you again dr hall for thank joining you. us it's my pleasure absolutely and we were, we were really happy to have you here we want to open the door to make sure we can invite you back i would love it absolutely. thank you again and i want to thank everyone for joining us we're going to actually be back again friday morning we have a show um so it's our 9 30 show and sponsored by the spirit of women and we are going to be talking about it's all relative so we're going to be talking about genetics talking about your genetics counseling and for BRCA and Lynch syndrome talking about colorectal um, connections so we're going to have on with us um, Yvonne Ruddy Stein who is an APRN within our breast and oncology center who is a vas- who is a um, genetic expert for us so we invite you back at 9.30 on Friday morning which is October 13th Friday the 13th so we'll see you all then this is Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital exceptional care every patient every day have a great night Thank you.